the man in the mirror. Our text is found in James chapter 1, verse 23 and 24. It says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So there's a parallel drawn here between a mirror and the word. The mirror and the word. In fact, all through Scripture, it, it likens the Word of God to a mirror. You know, we use mirrors for, for different things. Uh, hopefully, when you got up this morning, you looked in the mirror. I do. Because when I get up in the morning, I have trouble with my hair anyway. And, but when I get up in the morning, it's really in trouble. I have, I have one of the best hairstylists there is on the planet. Got a good amen? He's, he's back here in the booth. <laughs> but I tell you what, he's got his job cut out with me. That's why I keep it short. But when I get up in the morning, it is going every different direction. So we use mirrors because they show us what we really are. But we also use mirrors to adorn ourselves. We, we get the hairbrush out. We get the, you know, the, the butch wax or whatever it is we put up there. And we, we comb that down. We, we shave by looking in the mirror. So we adorn ourselves. And it's the same thing with the Word of God because the Word of God shows us where we are. You can look in the mirror and you can see the dirt, can't you? And you can see that you need to change. And that's what the Bible shows us. It shows us the dirt, but I'm so glad that that's not the only thing that it shows us. It also shows us who we can be by looking into that mirror, that we can adorn ourselves by looking into that mirror. And that's the way the Word of God is. In fact, we looked at the illustration last week of the Old Testament tabernacle, and we talked about the laver. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they brought with them all of the spoils of the Egyptians. And one of the things that they brought with them was the looking glasses, the brass looking glasses or mirrors that the Egyptian women used to adorn themselves. And, and uh, when God asked the children of Israel to bring, he said, I, I want gold, I want silver, I want brass. Well, they brought these brass mirrors and they used these to make the laver. And what would happen with the laver, any time that the priest would go into to the, uh, the holy place or the holy of holies, he had to wash his hands and he had to wash his feet. And this is a picture for us because the New Testament teaches us that we are priests unto God. That we are God's priest. And, and uh, the picture that we see here is that this laver was full of water. And uh, they would wash their hands and their feet. Hands represent our service to God. It represents our attitudes. How many of you know that our attitudes need to be kept clean when it comes to serving God? We shouldn't serve God to be seen of men. Okay? We, you know, we shouldn't sing for the glory of self. We need to sing for the glory of Jesus. We don't need as pastors, as ministers, or people who stand up and minister... We don't just need to be up here to, to scratch an itch that we have. Listen, we need to have pure hearts when it comes to these things. Our motives needs to be right. Because listen, people's motives come through their voices. You can tell by looking many times 
if a person has the right motive for doing something, can't you? So, so we need to keep our hands clean. And also the feet. The feet represent our walk with God. And this is one of the things that as those priests would wash their hands and feet, it is a picture of us as we look into God's Word that we can use that to, to cleanse ourselves with the Word of God. Romans 12 tells us that, that to not be conformed to this world but be transformed, and that word is metamorphosis, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. Uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How do we do that? We put the Word of God on the inside of us. We, keep, we look into that mirror, just like James talks about. Said so If we look into that mirror and we do it, guess what? We're blessed. If we look into that mirror and we don't do it, guess what? We're, we're like a man that sees himself in the mirror. We see what the potential is, but we go away and because we don't do it, we forget what manner of person that we are. See, it is easy for us in our own lives, because I think we kind of have a mirror on the inside of us. You see yourself certain ways. And a lot of times we just don't like ourselves, do we? You know your weaknesses. You know what your secret sins are. You know what your attitudes are. And sometimes we look in this, this mirror that we have on the inside of us and we just don't like what we see. We see all the dirt. But we don't always see what God sees. Yes, God sees our dirt. But that's why He sent Jesus. That's why He sent Jesus. God is interested in cleaning up the dirt because you know what? God's after the gold. God put things on the inside of you when he created you so that you could reflect who he is so that he can be glorified and people can come to know the Lord. You know the reason for the church? The church is not just given for us to, to have a place and come and sing and worship and although that's part of it but the church was not really made for us we are the church we are the body of Christ we we get great benefit if we're if we do church right we get great benefit but Jesus gave the church so it could be a reflection of his nature and his love to a lost and dying world and can I just honestly say Worldwide, we have not always, and even history-wide, we have not always done a good job of that. We're full of dirt. But God's got gold for us. And that's what, that's what we're going to be talking about today. As, as we look into the mirror of God's Word, we see the dirt. But God wants us to see more than that. And here's one thing I know. That as we begin to look in that mirror and we discover who we are in Christ, the dirt just begins to fall away from us. You know, that old lifestyle begins to fall away from us. And we see ourselves being drawn into a real relationship with God. I don't like superficial Christianity where we just go through the motions. We go to church we go through this ritual, we go through this thing that we do, we go home and nothing's different. I believe, and I hope you agree with me, that when we come to church, that we can encounter the living God. 
that we can encounter. See, church is not a religion. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. And we can have a relation, a real relationship. Listen, I have a real relationship with my wife. I do. I've had three children with her. That's a relationship. We've had a relationship. We can have the same kind of relationship with God that is a fruitful relationship that, that bears fruit in our life and it bears fruit in other people's lives. That they can see our fruit and they're attracted to God. The church should make the world jealous. But you know what I hear a lot? People who have been hurt by church. Has anybody here ever been hurt by church? Yeah, we, a, lot of, a lot of us have been hurt by church. I never have been hurt by church. I've been in church all my life. But I've never been hurt by church. I've been disappointed. But we should make the world jealous. Because they see that we have something that is really real. It's not superficial. It's not just a mind thing. It's a heart thing. I didn't say this first service. Somebody needs to hear this. Okay? <laughs> Somebody needs to hear this. So th this, th this ideal of the man in the mirror is as we look into God's Word and we see who we are, but we also see who we can be, we're transformed and we begin to bear fruit. Now, today, this is what we talked about last week. Today we're going to talk about what is our part in this. What is our part in this? In this, And we're going to read, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. We've got lots of scripture to look at. I believe in using the scripture. Inasmuch then as we believers, now who's he talking to here? He's not talking to unbelievers, he's talking to believers. This is a message to believers. We have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of faith and cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in Him as Savior. So this says that we see, we see what Jesus has done for us. We see that He is our great high priest. You know the Bible says that He ever lives to make intercession for us. We have an advocate in the heavenlies. And it's Jesus, the Son of God, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. And He is our lawyer. He is our advocate. He is the one that's on our side. A lot of times we don't see as the Lord is on our side. But He is. He's on our side. It says, because we can see this great high priest who ministers on our behalf, He says, let us hold fast our profession of faith. So our response to God's grace is faith. When we come to God, we have to come just as we are. I hear people say all the time, you know what I'm, I'm going to do? I, need, I know I need to be in church. I'm going to clean this up. I'm going to clean that up. I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to quit. Then I'm going to come to church. You know what? They don't ever come to church. Where do prostitutes belong? In church. Where do drug addicts belong? Church. Where do haters belong? Church. Say, so, yeah, but that, that sounds hypocritical. 
We all come as we are. We are all in the same boat. You may have never been a hypocrite, a prostitute, a drug addict, but maybe you're prejudiced. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, we don't come on the basis of who we are and what we've done because we have absolutely no approach to God on ourselves. We come to God because of who He is and what He's done. We're going to get into that in just a minute. I'm I'm almost, almost getting ahead of myself. It says, but we can, because we have this great high priest who's done all of these marvelous things for us, we can hold fast our profession of faith. Now, let's look at some of the things about faith. And I want you to see a couple of things because this tells us what our part in faith is. How is it that we, we use our faith? It's in Romans 10, 8. This, again, is the Amplified Bible. And it says, what does it say? What does what say? Faith. What does faith say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word, the message, the basis of faith which we preach. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing His power, authority, and a majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So our response to all of this goodness of God should be a response of faith. See, I don't come to God based on anything that I have done. You can't be good enough to earn His grace. You can't be bad enough that you forfeit His grace. I've I've had people say, "Oh, you know what? I would love to be saved, but I've just been so bad. I, I, I've, just, I've just lived a horrible, horrible life. And I said, well, did you ever murder anybody? Well, no. I said, did you know King David committed adultery? Had her husband murdered and tried to cover it up? And you know what God said about him? That he's a man after my own heart. That don't sound like a man after God's heart, does it? Sounds like all we see is the dirt. But what did God see? He saw something different. He worked him through the dirt. Again, let me say this. I say this all the time. I'm going to say it as long as I live. God loves you where you're at. But he loves you too much to leave you there. He accepts you. Just as you are, as an addict, as a prostitute, as a hater, as, as prejudiced, he, he, he accepts you as, as broken as you are. He accepts you right there, but he loves you too much to leave you there. You say, that's just too good to be true. I know. It is too good and it is true. Yeah, but, but don't I have to do something? Yes, you have to believe, and you have to confess. I don't have to straighten up, not to get in. You get in, guess what? If you'll follow, the dirt will start falling off, and the gold will start coming forward. 
Now, you don't hear that in every church. I mean, you hear like, you're going to hell. You had that thought, you're going to hell. Well, listen, if we had to be perfect, I'm going to hell. Has anybody sinned since they've been a believer? Don't be a liar now. Yeah, okay, some of you are lying. I know, I know you. You have sinned. We've all sinned since we've been believers. Christians are not perfect. <laughs> Every pastor knows that. But we are forgiven. You say, well, it just sounds like we can just live any way we want to. No, 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 no. You missed the whole deal. God loves you where you are, but he's not going to leave you there. He's going to deal with your dirt, but he wants you in first. Did you hear that? He wants you in first. That's why he accepted. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why he had to die on the cross. He had to pay the price for our sin because, listen, our sin separated us from God. Our sin was sending us to hell. But God so loved the world. Who did he love? The world. Not the saved, not the chosen, the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting. How many whosoever's do we have here today? A few. Okay. All right. So this says that if we will believe with our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. For with the heart, a man, this is verse 10, for with the heart a man believes in Christ as Savior, resulting in his justification, that is being made righteous, being freed of the guilt of sin, and made acceptable to God. And with the mouth, with the heart, man, with the mouth he, he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, resulting in and confirming his salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him, whoever adheres to, trusts in, and relies on him will not be disappointed, disappointed in his expectation. Wow, that's what a deal. What a great deal. I don't have to get perfect in order to get in. But when I get in, you know what he's going to do? He's going to start working on me. You know what? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a minute to make the moon and the stars and Jupiter and Mars, but he's still working on me. And you too. He's still working on you. That's good news. There's a principle of faith that's also found in Mark 11. <clears throat> the story is that one day Jesus and his disciples were walking by a fig tree. Bible says Jesus was hungry and he went to the tree expecting to find fruit, but he didn't find any. And he spoke to the tree and he says, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. His disciples heard it. They went on into the city. They did business. They came back the next, <clears throat> the next day and the, the fig tree was dried up from the roots. And they asked Jesus about this. And in verse 22, it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. One translation says, Have the faith of God. Now what does that mean? The faith of God. How did God create the heavens and the earth? 
And God said, let there be light. Do you think that God believed that when he spoke that there was going to be light? You know what? When, what was there when God decided to create? Nothing. There was not a north, a south, an east, or west. There was nothing. No thing. Nothing is what rocks dream about at night. Nothing. You reckon there was an obstacle there? Can something be made out of nothing? If I said, okay, here's nothing, make me something. What could you make out of that nothing that I give you? You could make nothing. But God said, light be, light was. That's how faith works. And when he says to have the, the faith of God or the, or the God kind of faith, that's the kind of faith that it is. Because Jesus had just said something that caused a fig tree to wither away. For he says, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, he picked something that was impossible. You know, faith doesn't always deal with the possible. Many times it deals with the impossible. When the doctor looks at you and says, there's no hope. It's impossible for you. How many of you know that's a mountain? When you look at your bank account and you can't pay your bills and it looks impossible, it looks like a mountain. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. This is a principle of faith. This is a principle of faith. So it has to do with the heart. It has to do with the mouth. This is our part. See, our part is not to get better, to get in. Our part is not to straighten up in order to get in. Our job is to believe and profess. That's our job, to believe and profess. Well, that's too easy. I know. That's too good to be true. I know. It's good and it's true. So let's take a look and let's see what God says about you. When God looks at you, He sees more than the dirt. He sees the purpose. He sees the calling. He sees the potential. See, He has deposited in all of us something that is very precious. In fact, the Bible tells us that God put eternity in a man's heart. Every man has potential of eternal life. See, the reason that we were created is to glorify God. And if God didn't put in us what it would take to glorify Him, then it would be impossible for us to do that. Now, we messed it up with the dirt, didn't we? But I got news for you. God can take your dirt, 
turn it around and use it and make a testimony out of it. I, I, every time I talk about this, I think of Brandy Cox. I think of her testimony of, of everything that was done to her, what she did. I mean, I mean I'm not going to give her testimony, but it was just a horrible, horrible story of, of how she was sinned against by her parents and how that she hated people and because of the things that were done to her. Wound up in prison. Paroled out, to pri- uh, paroled out of prison to her aunt. And, and the only stipulation was that she come to celebrate recovery. And she came and she hated everybody because she couldn't trust anybody. And they would try to love, love her and talk to her and she would growl at them. And then one day she heard the message and gave her heart to Jesus. And God transformed her life. And you know, before they moved off, she was teaching our crossroads, the kids that just left. She loved those kids and loved on those kids. She goes down to Louisiana and God hooks her up with uh, Kay Robertson of the, the Duck Dynasty family. And she's going into prison doing Celebrate Recovery. I mean, just... God took her dirt, transformed it, and turned it around and made her money into a testimony. And God can do that in all of our lives. In other words, you can't be so bad that God can't turn it around. We have to believe that. That's our mountain. And that mountain can be removed and cast into the sea. I love this message. I love it, love it, love it. Okay, let's look at a couple of scriptures. We're going to look at three more verses, and then we're going to, we're going to bring it to a halt for this week. we got a whole bunch of more scriptures. If you got, if you got the scripture list, you see that I'm not anywhere near. So what we need to do is we need to find out what God says about us and make that our profession. Okay? Make that our profession. See, it doesn't hurt. On July the 10th, 1971, standing across the street from Asbury United Methodist Church at a funeral, my best friend had lost his dad. After the service, he walks out on the porch, and I looked at that family, and I saw the presence of God on their lives. And I made a decision right then for Jesus Christ to come into my life and to change me. I got born again at a funeral. I did. I confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know what? I still profess Him as Lord and Savior. It doesn't hurt for you to get up in the morning and say, Lord, today I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. That'll do something to your heart. So here's a principle. Now listen fast. What you hear is what you see. What you see is what you say. What you say is what you do. What you do is what you become. Did you get that? All right, repeat it back to me. (laughs) What you hear is what you see. What you see is what you say. What you say is what you do. What you do is what you become. In other words, we we don't think in letters and words. We think in pictures. So what you hear is what you see. And we'll say a word, dog. Did you see the letters D-O-G? 
or did you see your mutt? I saw Lucy, my Australian shepherd. You probably saw that animal that lives at your house. We think in pictures. So what you hear is what you see. What you see is what you say. See, the Bible tells us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can tell where a person is spiritually and otherwise if you'll, if you'll zip this and open this. Because whatever is in their heart in abundance is what comes out their mouth. If, if their heart is full of hate, guess what comes out their mouth? Hate. If they're full of prejudice, what comes out their mouth? Prejudice. They can say something different, but if you listen to them long enough, you're going to hear their heart. It's true. If they're full of love, guess what comes out their mouth? Love. If they're full of Jesus, guess what comes out their mouth? Jesus. What you hear is what you see. What you see is what you say. What you say is what you do. If you say something, I'm going to go to town. That's what you do. You get up and go to town. What you do is what you become. This is the process of faith. And sometimes we have to take a promise because when we look at ourselves, we see dirt. We need to quit looking at dirt and start looking at what God looks at. Okay? I'm not making excuses for your dirt. God will help you deal with dirt. What he's after is gold. Do you know the Bible says that we are his jewels? I look at some people and I think, I don't see, me, I don't see much jewels there. God, help us to see people the way you do. Can you imagine the difference that it would make in this church if we began to look at people through God's eyes instead of through our eyes? We would be less critical. We would be less judgmental. Yes, sin is sin. Sin will kill you. But we need to see the gold, and we need to go for the gold and not the dirt. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Now, I love this verse. We're going to use the first part of it, and we're going to come back to it later. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. I hear people say, I found the Lord. No, you didn't. You weren't looking for the Lord. You were going your own way, doing your own thing. You were the center of your life. And it's sad to say that one of the reasons that most of us came to Christ is because of a crisis in our life. Maybe alcohol or drugs brought you to your bottom. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was a broken relationship. Maybe, maybe you just got tired of the life that you were living but you know what? The whole time when you were in your sin, the whole time that you were pursuing everything else, God was there calling you. It wasn't your idea to get saved. It was His. He is the one who pursued us, not us who pursued Him. Now, I know we have to, I know we have to accept Him, but He pursued us first. While you were sinners, 
Christ died for you. So it was his idea. He wanted you. He wanted a relationship with you. He pursued you. And your response to him was, I want you. Faith. Jesus be my Lord. Acts 7, 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. That's the best place to live. In him. We live, we move, and we have our being. In him. Then I love this verse. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. I am the vine. You are the branch. Now what are you? You're not the vine, are you? You're not the main thing. You're the branch. He who abides in me. There's that word again, in me. He who abides. That means lives, stays, residence in me. And I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Wow. Those are powerful words. Those are powerful words. Abiding in the vine is where the fruit comes forth. I love the scripture says that the steps of the righteous man are ordered to the Lord. I love the scripture that says that Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, what is that? Does that mean, okay, I want 10 million oil wells? Is that what that means? No. What it means is when we delight ourselves in the Lord, when He becomes the focus of our life, He will put desire in us. He has already deposited in us purpose. And as we, as we delight in Him, He will put desire in us to fulfill the purpose that He has put in us. And you know what? You will be the most content. You will be the happiest when you find His purpose. Hey, let's go for the gold. Let's go for the gold. Let's begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. We've got a whole bunch more scriptures, and I've got one more week to do it. Next week, we're going to look, talk about the way that God sees us, what God did for us in Christ. But it's up to us to respond to that. Could I have my prayer team come? We're going to sing a, a song of profession today, a confession song about what we believe. And it's, it's just so important that, that that's so. If you're here today, if the Holy Spirit said something to you. And you need to deal with it. We've got people that can pray with you right here. If you're here today and have not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you can do that today. That's where it all starts, is coming into Him, professing Him as your Lord and Savior. Let's stand together. Feel free to come for prayer today.